Welcome to the Eat Local CNY podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and this week's guest is Chef Alex from Amano Kitchen and Bar, located right in downtown Syracuse. Our sponsor for this week's episode is Sriracha Cues with their new Sriracha Box. It is the club for foodies who love heat, flavor, and Syracuse. Now you can enjoy a taste of hometown heat and flavor delivered right to your doorstep, no matter where you live. Each Sriracha box features popular sauces from Sriracha Cues and includes favorites like Maple Garlic, Maple Ghost, Empire Beer, Recess Coffee, Syracuse Wing, and Spicy Barbecue Sauces, along with spicy specialty foods from other local Syracuse, New York artisans. Head to srirachabox.com today and get your hands on a Sriracha box subscription. That's S-Y-R-A-C-H-A-B-O-X dot com. And don't forget that all Eat Local CNY podcast listeners can get $10 off their first box by using code EATLOCALCNY10 at checkout. That's EATLOCALCNY, the number 10, at checkout over at srirachabox.com to get $10 off your first subscription. Hey, October 11th from 6 to 9 p.m., we're going to be having a huge launch party for the new Eat Local CNY card. It's going to be a mini food truck rally featuring some food trucks that you're not maybe too used to seeing around the Syracuse scene. It's going to be $30 to get into the party. That $30 will get you two beers from IBU, dinner from any one of the food trucks that are there, and the next Eat Local CNY card. We're also going to have our friends over at Helping Hounds there representing with some puppies and some dogs for you to hang out with and play with and take your picture with. And it's going to be so much fun. I really hope you can join us there. We're going to have tickets available for purchase over at eatlocalcmy.com starting tomorrow. So make sure you head there, buy your ticket, October 11th, 6 to 9 p.m. at IBU Brewery. And do us a huge favor, hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Let us know what you think of the Eat Local CNY podcast. Don't forget you can follow us over on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Alex Mamano. So we're uh, sitting here with Alex from Amano. I was like Googling all the guests and everything before I have them on. And um, I found your SoundCloud. I'm assuming it's yours. Oh. Your SoundCloud from like <laughs> 10 years ago. It sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. It might have been a little bit longer than that. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, in high school, um, I played in like a, a punk rock band. Okay. Um, and we would play around town with, with my friends. We were probably 16 years old. Yeah. We'd pack up like my Volkswagen Golf and we'd play in like Funkin' Waffles in like the basement for like ska parties. That's, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was, oh God. It was, uh, I have one buddy, I have a couple of buddies that stayed in music and, and one guy's down in Nashville and as long as he doesn't hear this, we'll be fine because he'll freak out. He's like, they brought that up. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's funny, man. My sister lives in Nashville. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love Nashville. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, so she lives in Nashville. She has a she's a completely different though. For she's a tra- uh, traveling minister. Oh, okay. Right, All right, yeah, yeah. Well, and she has a podcast. It works in Nashville very well. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, she has a podcast, and she just had Amy Grant as a guest really? on her podcast. Isn't that crazy? Oh, my God. That's yeah, amazing. I know. That's so. super cool. Yeah, so she did this three-hour interview with Amy Grant, <laughs> and then Amy Grant invited her to go hang out at her farm on <laughs> Sunday. Oh, wow. So they did the podcast Friday, and then Sunday she went and spent like the whole afternoon hanging out with Amy Grant on her farm. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. That's amazing. Like I feel like that only happens in Nashville. That's f- I can't think of any other place it would yeah. probably happen. I mean, yeah. yeah, I went down there in October for the guy that was in in my band's wedding. Yeah, and and we I we I got out of service at on Saturday at eleven o'clock, and then uh, we drove straight down to Nashville. Oh, I got wow. there, yeah, I got there at like six in the morning, and then uh, and then we went to the wedding, and then as soon as the wedding was over, we went to the rehearsal dinner, and then after that, I just. Just, like stayed up all night and went around Nashville <laughs> and ate at just all awesome. these places. It was great. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whenever I think of Nashville now, I think of the episode of um, Master of None. Did you ever see that with? No, I have Aziz. with the Zizanzari. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I got to watch it because I heard he goes to Osteria Francesca as well. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh, so there's just this episode where he's in Nashville and he go, he's going trying to find this white barbecue sauce and he winds up. He's like, we have to go to the restaurant to get it. Uh, even though they're going to risk mo- losing their or missing their flight. Oh, okay. And they have to get back to New York for like his girlfriend's niece's recital that she can't miss. And you know, sure enough, they wind up missing the flight. And as they're sitting in the airport waiting for eight hours for the next flight, <laughs> there's like this whole display of this white what barbecue <laughs> sauce that he just bought that made them miss it. Right before you get on the plane. Oh yeah. my god! And I definitely went out and bought a bottle of white barbecue sauce as, after that. Absolutely, and hated it. As, oh, okay. that's, like fair. It. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's the you get that Nashville or Alabama white. I think it is. But, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so sixteen music stuff around here, and yeah. I mean, your dad. Like, so you grew up around here. Correct? Yeah, I was I was born and raised. I lived in Eastwood my entire life. Okay. Um, and then it, I was here until I was. Uh, 19 i went to occ for two years or okay. a little under two years um and i worked uh with deb schneider and james taylor oh, who are okay. over at occ they started to run the culinary program over there yeah and they were awesome and i ended up getting a scholarship to the ca wow so then i went there for two years and then yeah let's go yeah so was that was cia on your radar like while you were in like is it something you were going after or was it just um, something that kind of came about i kind of just fell into it so i i wanted to to work in restaurants basically. So I worked at, um, I started working at the Brooklyn pickle when I was 16, okay. I was washing dishes and then making a couple of sandwiches. Um, and then when I graduated and started, uh, in college, I started working for my dad at Avicoli's. I was a bus boy, a little bit of serving, a little bit of fry cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had fun doing that. And then I started at OCC, um, like just doing a couple culinary courses, but I was really focusing on the, the front of the house. Mm-hmm for the most part and because that's what I was doing the most of and like you realize very quickly in the front of the house you can make like a lot of money and when you're 18 you're like this is the most amazing thing in the world and you got a bunch of cash in your pocket um and then uh I had a buddy and he was like do you want to come work with me in a kitchen and I was like sure why not and I went and worked at the double tree for six months over in carrier circle yeah um my buddy Matt he was in the same class at OCC with me he was the banquet chef there okay and I started to cook like it was I mean it was pretty like, basic food but it was high volume and it was I never really was like besides a couple fry cook shifts at Avicol he's never really in like a high volume like bang it out kind of yeah kind of line and you're like oh this is really cool <laughs> yeah. and you're like sitting there and you're kind of thinking and you're like oh I could be in the front of the house and manage restaurants and learn how to do that 
but if I don't know anything about food, what's the point of being in a restaurant? If you right. like, if you don't really know, like yeah, anyone can cook a vegetable, but like if you don't understand how it works, yeah. how are you going to be able to explain it to your guests? Um, mm-hmm. So then I started to fall like really deep into the culinary thing. And then I read about best culinary schools and um, Deb Schneider is a graduate from uh, the CIA mm-hmm. and she ended up writing an awesome recommendation for me uh, when I graduated OCC. That's awesome. And uh, I got a big scholarship. So I went, yeah. was, uh, couldn't, couldn't turn it down. So yeah, went down to the Hudson Valley and it was, it's crazy. And as soon as you go there, you're, you're in it's. Yeah. I mean like getting out of the CIA or is it just opportunities are just kind of waiting for you or how, like how does that work? I've always been curious about that. Yeah. So they have a really, really good, um, alumni like program so basically like if I wanted to I haven't yet I haven't you know been able to sit down and figure (laughs) it out yet but if I wanted to I could put my restaurant on a um on an internship okay thing so you can either you can and and since they're interns you can decide if you want to pay them don't want to pay them you know the top restaurants don't pay their interns right it all depends a lot of people go to Disney because they make $15 an hour really yeah they make it as like an intern and I mean you work there for six months and then hmm. you go back to the CIA and finish out your six months it's only a year and a half program wow so nine months of pretty intense like basic culinary skills yeah and then um a couple like cuisines you learn how to work on the line and then you go to a restaurant um for me I went to Osteria in Philadelphia hmm. um a restaurant ran by Mark Vetri yeah and they they uh kicked my ass so you pay <laughs> they paid you $50 a day shift starts at whenever you need to get there to get your stuff done <laughs> um, for me it was like 9:30 um and then shift ends whenever you get your stuff done yeah. so it was midnight sometimes it wow. was one but it was it was a lot of fun i loved every second of it yeah. it was so we did 6 months there and then uh, went back to the CIA to finish it out. So you take a couple of like, they start to teach you like more in-depth cuisines. You mm. do a really awesome three-week intensive wine course mm. that you just wow. drink. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Awesome, awesome wines all the time. <laughs> and you basically are just sitting there like studying wine. So when you get out of wines class, you and your friends go over to the liquor store and you buy like six bottles of wine <laughs> and you just start drinking and like talking about wine and then like you got to go on the next day and you wake up and you do that in class and then you go to the liquor store again. it's just like a it's an endless loop but it's it's so it's so much fun and then you work in restaurants for the last 12 weeks and that's oh you, that's cool yeah you can kind of pick so i worked in an american restaurant and an italian restaurant hmm. and you work front and back of the house really was, yeah yeah so they give you a, a quick intensive thing and then and then they send you on your way so they graduate a class every three weeks hmm. so it's just it's endless and there's a, That's you can wild. make a lot of connections that I have friends in probably every major city in the country right now, wow. just from the CIA. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it was, it was really fun. Yeah. So you get, so you get there and then you went to, did you go to Philadelphia after you graduated? Yeah. So I okay. graduated, um, I don't know the year anymore, <laughs> October, 2013 or 14. Okay. Um, and then right after that, I went down to back to Osteria, mm. um, I worked there. I ended up working there for two years after that. Hmm. Um, I ended up after four months out of culinary school, they made me a manager. Hmm. It was madness. <laughs> I, I lost like 50 pounds and it was just like, it was, it was crazy, but it was, it was really fun. And it's, you can't, there's only one way to learn in this business and that's yeah. throw yourself into the fire as hard as you can. And then 
see what happens. Do you think there's people that are just cut for the industry, or do you think anybody can kind of get into it if they try, if they like put their, you know? I, if you have a, if you want to learn about it, you, I mean, you have to like decide that that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Because the, the level of dedication that a lot of people put into the business Mm -hmm. is like really next level. And to like maintain with that and like to be able to like keep up with that pace, it takes a lot. Yeah. And, um, I think anybody could do it. You just have to want to do it Mm -hmm. more than you want to do anything else. Yeah. There's no normal life in the industry though. No, no, (laughs) that is your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, and even, I mean, so I'm, we're probably me and my girlfriend run a mono and we're probably at about a hundred hours a week hmm. a piece, but yeah, it's what, it's what you do. Yeah. And it's, you have to really like it and you have to like want to keep like expand. It's, you have to keep expanding on your knowledge. I've, it's a, it's one of those industries. And I mean, there are other ones where you have to stay the most up to date or you look dated extremely fast and you have to educate yourself on how to be like, to yeah. be able to take that step. And that was, that was what was nice about being in Philly. There's hmm. 20 restaurants opening at any given time. Hmm. And you go and you see all these new things and all these like crazy ideas. It's just you're like, Oh, that'll never work. And then you're like, Oh shit, that's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> how do you, how do you do that in Syracuse though? Because I've, I, I could be completely wrong and biased, but I do feel that things take a little bit of time to get here. Um, I think, I think they can um, when I think it's faster now than it ever was because mm-hmm. of like social media, you can follow like, you know, the best restaurants in the country. You can see what they're doing yeah. um, and you can kind of give an idea for it, but mm-hmm. you just have to, I mean, buy cookbooks. Yeah. That's the top thing. And then when you can, so in restaurant business, there's these things called stages. Mm-hmm. If you ever get a chance to like, and even here you could, if you walked into my kitchen, you're like, Hey, I want to learn how to cook. And yeah. Like, Come on, let's go. <laughs> Where, what do you want to, what do you want to learn how to do? Well, I, I, I got something for you. You can yeah. do it. Um, but yeah, I think you kind of around here, it's always just trying to like, um, a couple of weeks ago, um, we did an event and then I ended up hanging out with Kyle from Kasai yeah. and I never cooked Japanese food in my life. And I went and he showed me his kitchen and he showed me his crazy noodle machine mm. he just got. And it was <laughs> super cool. And it's just like, yeah, I just you just gotta keep yeah connecting and like keep learning about different things and there's there's lots of like really cool mm-hmm. things going on here as well. It's just a matter of fact if you can you know get out of your restaurant and go find it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm constantly amazed how much great food is coming into Syracuse yeah. and uh, especially people you know I don't know maybe it's just my awareness is like recently opening up about people that are coming from CIA and Mm -hmm. uh, Johnson and Wales and all that kind of stuff. But I'm just blown away at the quality of food that's coming out of kitchens in the city. Yeah, there's, it's definitely, I think it's taking a big, um, it's taking like a big upturn. Um, It's taking like a really interesting like swing and like a, it's becoming much more hyper-local, which I really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's becoming uh, much more like, I think it's quicker to come to the, cutting edge it's mm-hmm. getting like it, it happens it's catching up to big cities quicker than it once was yeah um and it's all just you know it's continuing like 
uh, I think you have to you have to maintain your your market appeal to the to the general crowd and mm. you know be able to to ride that line. Yeah. Um, and it can be hard sometimes, but it's a it's a line that like every cook should understand how to run. Like, if you're not selling a certain thing, evolve, right. move. I mean, it's it's it is what it is. We we try to run at a mano, so we have our our tagline of modern American with Italian influence, mm-hmm. um, and that's because I think. At least, so I grew up in an Italian American, yeah, re- like restaurants right. all over the place. Um, my dad owned Reggio in the '90s, which was down in um, the Syracuse Bank Building, okay. the, where Prime is there. Yeah, um, and then he went into Avicoli's. So hmm. I know Italian American food inside and out, and I think that's an understanding of what Italian food is here. Yeah, um, and when you go to Italy hmm. um, and you do things like that, you you get an understanding of basically that. Um, Italians basically just look up and use what's around them mm. closest to in season and like at the best quality of all times. There's no like actual designated food. They grow things and then whatever they grow, <laughs> they cook and it's like hyper regional there. Mm. And I think there's a there's a way that America's starting to to take that shape. I mean, there's always been regionalities like barbecue in the South yeah. and like New England lamb chowder in New England, mm-hmm. um, but it's starting to like take shape a little bit more like we can't grow certain things here in the fall and winter yeah and we don't use we don't try not to use them as much right you know so i mean with that in mind i mean it's probably i've never been but if i had to guess i'd say with that in mind about italy it's it would be rare to find uh, a lot of seafood on the menu in like northern italy right yeah so sorry um Basic, so northern Italy, mountainous, mm-hmm. they hang a lot of salumis. So where I worked at Osteria was uh, traditionally northern Italy, mainly based out of, uh, it's an area called Bergamo. Okay. Um, they do a lot of braises. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a wood fire grill, wood fire oven. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of braises, a lot of like really good salumis mm-hmm. um, from like that northern central region. You That's where you get your prosciuttos, your hard aged cheeses. Um, and all the stuff like that. And then when you go south where it gets hotter, they're kind of like, okay, I don't want to like stand over a stove all day. Mm-hmm. It's cold in the mountains. I'm going to make pizza and it's going to take two minutes and I only have to stand near fire for a couple of minutes. And <laughs> then I'll go to the sea and, and take what I need where it kind of like shallows out. Yeah. Um, so me and, when uh, me and my girlfriend left uh, left Philly, we went to Europe for, for seven months and, and lived in some tents and stuff. Hmm. Traveled throughout Italy. So we went from north to south and you kind of get a feel and it's it's hyper hyper different yeah it's really it's crazy how do you think it should affect local food in syracuse for example there's so much influence that comes in mm-hmm. obviously i mean you know italian and you know we're doing seafood and all that kind of stuff right. and you do have people like the fish fryer who are mm-hmm. at least you know going to the coast yeah and, you know, absolutely and i'm yeah. sure plenty others are but um i mean how do you think that affects syracuse you know to kind of work with what's here right um so i think for the most part, you can do it to like a really good extent of like using what's around you. Um, there's becoming a better network of, uh, of farms that are kind of like intertwined and that you're able to like pull from. I mean, um, we'll go to the regional market or the downtown market mm-hmm. while the, well, the downtown market while it's open. And then the regional market will try to go all year long and grab some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really, it's really about being fluid in your menu, mm-hmm. I think. Um, so we wrote, we print on a paper menu, um, 
probably reprint menus every week, hmm. try to change one or two things up depending on the season. And we kind of just, you, you have to, you have to be able to, to look around you and decide, I want to use this while you still can yeah. before you, before you run out of time. So it's, it's all about like, I mean, proper preparation prevents mm-hmm. piss poor performance, you know? Yeah. Um, right. And it's all just knowing what's in season, learning what's in season, and then having a plan when that comes into season to be able to utilize it because of the, you know, I mean, general short growing periods for the most part. I mean, right. um, we get a good spring and a good summer, but if it's too wet or too dry, yeah, it, it depends. Um, but there are some awesome produce around here. I buy a lot of stuff from Grindstone Farms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we developed a good relationship with them. Yeah. Um, and I really like their stuff. And they're, for me, um, at the at the size of the restaurant that we're trying to run, it's it's important for me for like convenience, mm-hmm. and they have a nice website that I can go in and, yeah. and order things, and, and it makes it a little bit easier for me. Um, and that was nice um, about Philly, and I would like to 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 see a little bit more of that here because yeah. you could go. There was a couple of different um, basically like farm conglomerations on like a small scale where a bunch of farms would put their stuff together and you can buy them and bring them in, and oh, it just makes cool. it a little bit easier for the restaurateur. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What, uh, walk me through a little bit like process of getting the restaurant open because you guys are coming up on the first year. Or so, yeah. Right? Yeah. So we hit a year at the end of this month. Um, I got a, I got a phone call from my dad in July and he was like, Oh, you want to come open a restaurant up in Syracuse? And I was <laughs> like, let me talk to my girlfriend real quick. She was born and raised in Philly. So I was okay. like, all right, let me talk to my girlfriend. Real quick. So like, you want to go up to Syracuse and, uh, open a restaurant? And she was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> like which is like opposite. a very like yeah that's the opposite of kyle oh like, yeah. you know kyle was you know from philly mm-hmm. in philly um i forget if he was born and raised in philly but he, they're both in yeah. philly mm-hmm. and his you know now wife is from syracuse and they're dating at the time and you know she says well i'm going to I'm going, syracuse yeah. and yep. he follows her <laughs> yeah, yeah follows her. you gotta go yeah yeah it was very like it was almost kind of like yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Um, she was working on a farm at the time uh, on the outside of Philly, and I was working at a gastro pub. And mm-hmm. we're just like, yeah, let's go. Let's give it a go. So we went up uh, with my dad, and we we hopped in the old Fabio's space. Um, yeah, you know, it was a general, it was a general kind of like, all right, we're gonna do this. We talked about doing this, you know, for a while. My dad's done the front of the house thing around here for a long time. Mm-hmm. He did the back of the house thing for a while. Now he's and he's older and he's in the front of the house. It's mm-hmm. kind of the natural progression sometimes. Yeah. Um, is Fabio for a partner in this? In mono? No, okay. no. Um, I know there was like, I heard something and I wasn't sure, you know, cause he was in there for a really short time. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, basically he, he left. Um, yeah, we moved in. It's, it was, I think for, for him in general, it's just a very large space. Yeah. It's, it's a big space, especially on Warren street in downtown. It, yeah. I mean, we can see if we, if we wanted to cram it in like New York style and like mm-hmm. kind of like change up how we said, we could easily squeeze in 150. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be a little tight, but it, it's, it's definitely a big space. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to run that kind of operation, it's, it's labor intensive to say the least. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, we came up, um, generally like semi-limited funds you kind of run with what you got yeah we threw on a coat of paint um kind of reorganized some stuff did some changing around of the kitchen and then uh so i came up here i moved up here at the end of july i moved back up here back up here at the end of july and then we opened in september so it was a quick Mm. it was a quick turnaround test out test out some menus (laughs) it was a mad dash and yeah we opened in we opened probably a little bit more like Italian American than I would have liked because my dad was worried about like general appeal to, yeah. you know, people and stuff like that. But slowly 
chipped that stuff away <laughs> and got it out of there. Um, and now we're running what I think is a is a generally a, a mainly Italian menu. Uh-huh. Um, we source as much local as we can. We do buy. I mean, for the size that we do, it's tough. So we do buy from Cisco and Casa yeah, and stuff. Sure. And, you know, they're they're good guys over there, and they do yeah. try to you know where they can buy local. I get Reeves Farm stuff from Cisco and stuff like that. That's so. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's very, especially I'd imagine for a restaurant your size, mm. it's, it's, it's gotta be near impossible to get a hundred percent of what you're going to use local. Yeah. I mean, you could, you, you could, um, hypothetically, like I know, um, like Eden and, uh, St. Urban mm-hmm. are changing their menus weekly Yeah, and that's where it gets a little bit easier because you don't have to buy in such massive bulk and, mm-hmm. you know, they're. 30 seat restaurants. Right. And they're, I mean, they're, I, I've been to St. Urban. I haven't been to Eden, mm-hmm. um, but St. Urban was awesome. Yeah. Um, and they're doing some really cool stuff and we try to maintain that. We run our specials and we get our specials. We try to maintain those local and from mm-hmm. the farmer's market and stuff like that. And a lot of things on the menu we buy when we can, but to, to maintain that, that low, that size. Yeah. It's, it's pretty intense, but it's, it's a challenge, but it's fun. It's, um, it's fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. It's this is stuff I like in last November. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was, but I was sitting on Thanksgiving morning flipping through like the Black Friday ads and just the thought popped into my head, I should be doing way better content than I am. Mm-hmm. I've had the podcasting stuff. I bought it when I first uh started Eat Local like three and a half years ago. Okay. And we did a few podcasts with like Geo over at the Fish Fryer when they were in mm-hmm. Salve and oh yeah, um, yeah, you know stuff like that. And back then it was near impossible to get a podcast out if you didn't know what you were doing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays it's the easiest thing you can do it from your phone, and, right? You know. And so I've had this stuff, and I was like, I really need to start doing a better job of it, <laughs> especially with the card and like all these restaurants and trying right. to constantly promote them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like all right, you know, you know it's yeah. time to step things up. Yeah, so. I mean, I. Uh, when we when we found out we were moving back, I started following guys like you and uh, Chris over at Weed CNY and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And you get um, and I think you guys do a great job. I mean, I mean, general. I mean, I haven't been around it that long. You know, we're trying to make connections as much as we can. Yeah, but, for sure. You know, yeah, spend all our so. time at the restaurant. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm learning slowly, and I don't know how you feel about competition, mm-hmm. like in the downtown from other restaurants and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but. You know, if you talk to a lot of the uh, beer makers in the area mm-hmm. and you ask them, how do you feel? Like I had Tim from Buried Acorn on recently. Okay. And I was like, and Mike, I've never, I haven't talked to one person at a brewery in Syracuse that has been like, yeah, I can't stand those guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all get along. They're all like, we just want to go after Miller and Budweiser. And right. if we can get a small percentage of their stuff, we're happy. Absolutely. Um, I think, I think. And that's it's starting to. I think it's starting to come more to Syracuse, which is nice. In Philly, I think um, that's kind of what keeps everybody, you know, progressing forward. That competition's extremely important. If mm-hmm. like if your stuff's not up to par, yeah, they're going to go somewhere else, right? And that maintains your drive to you know continue to be better because you want to be successful. Yeah. Um, and I think that. Uh, as like the competition evolves, you're kind of like, Oh, look what they're doing over there. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a bit of like, people call it stealing, but it's like a sharing of general ideas. I mean, you're not the first person to do anything. You're not gonna be the last person to do anything 99% of the time. Yeah. Um, and so you're just kind of like, Oh, that's a really good idea. I haven't thought of it. 
mm-hmm. in that way. And, you know, you kind of, your, your restaurant evolves as other restaurants around you evolve. So as long as there's, you know, new ideas and developing menus, I think in that way you get a better restaurant scene in general through competition. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think that's, I think it's really, really important. What's been one of the biggest challenges this year? Um, so I think for our, and I mean, it came along with the, we were talking about the tagline earlier when we run modern American yeah. Italian. So I recently it's dropped off a lot, but mm-hmm. I still get a lot of people coming in and be like, you know, this is an Italian restaurant. Where's your spaghetti Pomodoro? Where's your, uh, <laughs> you know, chicken franchise? Where's your, and I, I just, I don't want to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put it on. <laughs> Cause and to be like, to be honest, like I, I understand Italian American food, but yeah. I'm not going to say that I know how to cook like high volume Italian American food right. at like an accurate level compared to like these guys that have been doing it for 20 years. Yeah. So I'm like, if I had chicken franchise and chicken marsala and veal piccata on the menu, you're not coming here because mine's not going to be as good as theirs. Right. My, I don't, you know, pumpkin pasta and my cauliflower raviolis that, you know, they're just like have butter on them are going to be what I know how to do yeah. better than what I can't, I, I can't keep up with that. Like, yeah. so there's no, there's no point. It's just not, it's not beneficial right. to me. And why try? Yeah. Why? Why? Yeah. I, mean, I, I, was... I think especially with Italian restaurants, people have their established favorites and that's where they're going. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to, to break, I think the stigma of general Italian food in in the Northeast in general, yeah. um, in bigger cities, it started to evolve to the point where there's like a cult following for, you know, creative pastas yeah. um, and stuff like that. So we're, we're trying to bring um, some of that to here mm-hmm. and still being able to, you know, maintain a business by, by pleasing people and yeah. what they want in their palate. So. How crazy do you think food can kind of get in its search for, you know, yeah, exploration. You know, I mean, like, can you make a cotton candy pasta, or is that just? <laughs> you can. Um, I think there's there's a couple of like different ways of thinking about it, and it's all just like what I think it's all just like what you like to eat and like what your experiences are. So, like for me, um, my girlfriend worked on a farm. I like being near like dirt, and we we built a, a generally substantial garden in my parents' backyard that we're like pulling tomatoes out of and peppers now. And it's super exciting That's awesome. because for me, my personal opinion is nothing is my ultimate, like, you know, in the, in the clouds dream would be you have a farm and you pick from that farm every day and you cook a 20 seat restaurant mm-hmm. and you, and cause you don't understand until you like experience it. Like when you take a tomato off of the vine, how much sweeter it is than a tomato that's two days old hmm. compared to a tomato that's two weeks old. It's, it's truly unreal. I mean, when peas were in season, we were, you pick peas and they're like meant to be shelled and you eat the whole shell and it's, it's sweet and like tender. Hmm. And it, it really like it, it recently, probably within the last two years, my entire perspective on, on food has changed to where I want to be able to get, the closest I can from, from stem or like seed to, mm-hmm. to table and the farm to table, it's a hundred percent of movement at this point. And to an extent, it's probably been overutilized. Um, so like I kind of shy away from the word farm to table yeah. for the most part. Um, but there's definitely a difference. And I mean, there's a difference between, you know, five days. And I mean, some of these things that you get, if you get them out from California, they're, they're, driving across the country on a truck i mean by the time you get them they're three or four weeks old mm-hmm. and they're still good 
for the most part, but it's not anywhere near what the what the first product was. It's it's crazy how quick they degrade. Um, so that's our that's the ultimate goal is to to be able to move from like seed to to table as fast as possible and be able to pick that at the peak freshness. But at at a restaurant of the size, we're doing what we can, but it's it's yeah. hard to maintain. Um, and then so the other way you can think about it there's a there's a couple different ones so i had a i worked with a guy who ended up staging at alinea in chicago Mm -hmm. one of grad atkins restaurant i mean yeah peak of the peak of the restaurants um but there's a there's an idea there they get amazing produce but it needs to look a certain way Mm -hmm. and it needs to like you know react a certain way so like he was telling me like you buy in eight cases of artichokes you find your favorite case out of those eight cases and then the other cases you know get sent to different restaurants from from there um, and that's, that's another way of doing things. If you're looking for aesthetic, I mean, and you're, they're rightfully getting the money that they get to mm-hmm. be able to do that. And it's really impressive. Um, it's just not how like, my general train of thought is. And like, I find myself generally creative working with flavors, but I don't find myself generally creative, like evolving, like to a new like style or method of cooking. I try certain things. I'll sous vide things every now and then and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, but I haven't played around with cotton candy or anything like that. (laughs) That's probably good. You never know. I think I got one in my basement. (laughs) I mean, I get the, uh, I love the fair and I love going there and, you know, I spent two days in the kitchen with Mark Mm -hmm. taking pictures for him. And I pretty much just stayed in like the African village at that yeah, you know, yeah. Puerto Rican place. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, went there. Yep. It's just good, yeah, man. It's just really good food. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh but and last year I was more all over the place trying the different things. And mm-hmm. last year there's that uh place in the dairy building. They did a uh, glazed donut basically cut in half with ice cream. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And this year they did the cotton candy burrito. I saw that. Yep. And don't get me wrong, part of me wanted to go there and get it just because I knew it would convert well on my Instagram Right, account. absolutely, of course. <laughs> and there is, there are those thoughts, but another part of me, and I know that they're not doing, you know, obviously that milk bar place right. isn't trying to do anything extraordinary in the culinary <laughs> world. I get that. But it still just represents kind of, you know, where we are. Like, people will flock yeah. to a cotton candy burrito absolutely and not necessarily to a spot that picked the tomatoes five minutes ago right and, and i think it's i think it's um well obviously like there's way more like general marketing money thrown into the sugar industry than there is like the farming industry yeah. and it's just general like customer education and that's what i mean i think everybody that's involved in like the general food community is working on mm-hmm. um but it can it can be tough sometimes. Yeah. But um, it's there's a there's a place for all of it. Right. And the New York State Fair is the perfect place for a cotton candy yeah. burrito. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just a it's just a general, you know, just evolution of things. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are spots, and I you know I I've actually reached out to have them on the podcast. So hopefully that'll happen mm-hmm. soon. But uh, like Rise and Shine. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing. I mentioned it in a little previous episode and then I had to go back and reconfirm it. But I mean, she was, had the spot and was just doing whatever, you know, coffee and diner Mm -hmm. eggs and potatoes and on the verge of going out and then transitions to 
doing her crazy stuff mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it starts you know going yeah. up and up and up and i up. was i was there a couple of weeks ago with some friends that came in town and they're like we mm-hmm. want to go there and i was like yeah, yeah. i've never been there so we went and it was yeah, it was really good it was good yeah it was good it was really good it was crazy over the top stuff and yeah you know there's there's a funny uh grub street article a couple of weeks ago they were talking about um uh this ice cream vendor in uh in new york and he would go up to him and, and people kept coming up to him and be like, Hey, I'll post your ice cream on my Instagram. I have, you know, 25,000 followers. Like, um, will you give me a free ice cream? And he was like, no, nah, I think I'm going to charge you double. And he just kept, he just kept doing that. He's like, I'm sick of people asking me <laughs> for awesome. free ice cream because yeah. they, they're going to post it on Instagram. And then he, I mean, it became, it worked out for him, but I don't think it always works out that way. I think yeah. social media marketing is, is a huge part of owning a modern day restaurant. Yeah. And, you know, I went out, I bought a, you know, $400 camera because I wanted to, you know, take better food pictures because I'm like, yeah, this looks like shit. Do you do most of your pictures on your Instagram? Yeah, I, ah, uh, okay. I, I take all my, uh, all the pictures on the Instagram. That's awesome. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I have realized a lot about, I really actually enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Like before service, I'll take like 10 minutes and I'll be like, all right, I got to go take about 25 pictures. That's cool. And then, you know, I pick the best one and I post it on the Instagram. Um, but I've learned that I have figured out only how to take pictures of food and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> I have no luck with anything else yeah. and I don't even bother anymore. So my camera sits in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's real. I, there's always this, when I was at Osteria, we got, we got sat down and we're like, when I was a sous chef there, they were like, okay, you have to post a picture today. You have to tag Osteria. You have to, you know, yeah. tag, like say who you are in your bio and all this. And it, and it's, mm. and it helps. I mean, you get people following the restaurant. I mean, yeah. like I, I couldn't tell you what they had. They probably had 15,000 followers when yeah. we were there. And you know, it's, it, it's definitely like, I think marketing for your restaurant and you, mm-hmm. And you want to present yourself well. Yeah. Um, and so I think for me, it's important to like make the food look good on that. Yeah. Cause it's, and we would come in and I'll never, literally never take a picture of an empty dining room because we got yelled at so many times. We're like, nobody wants to see an empty dining room. It makes like, look like nobody comes here. Like, don't ever post that. It looks ridiculous. So <laughs> never post a picture of an empty dining room and make your food look decent. That's awesome. It's true though. I mean, not... I mean, not just from my perspective of doing this, but I, uh, my fiance and I, Rebe- uh, Rebecca, <laughs> she, we're going to Cape Cod in the end of this month for oh, nice. a friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. We were just going to like drive up Friday, come back Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's just stay an extra day. I've never been. Yeah. And so her friend recommended this restaurant in the area mm-hmm. and said, it's like, one of the most amazing restaurants there is. And I went on their Instagram and their website and both look like trash. Oh yeah. yeah. And I was like, we're not going there. Mm. They have, you know, unique plating stuff that they're doing. But I was like, no, we're not going to go. It doesn't, if it, I, I I truly, it's really, and I think, I think most, I mean, like if you look at the, some of the top rush, I mean like some of them just, you know, post the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Whatever. But, they can do that because they have their yeah. reservation book filled every night. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it's important to you know, present yourself. Well, we try to present ourselves well on, mm-hmm. you know, open table and stuff like that, especially around here. Yeah. I think 
Open Table is a really good resource with Syracuse University. They're like, yeah, we came here because you guys were on Open Table. Hmm. Um, and then we got lucky enough. We're starting to get a lot of uh, Philly people, which is nice because we cool. got um, the Philadelphia Inquirer reviewer brought his kid up to Syracuse and oh, stumbled wow. upon our restaurant. Hmm. And we, yeah, we, I remember that. Yeah, it was like, so I, he called and it said Craig Laban with like a Philadelphia area code. And I was like, why is he calling my restaurant? Yeah. And he's like, how, like what? I, I don't. Yeah. And then he walked in and we're like, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh that stuff's amazing. And it is true. There's, I mean, SU, especially for downtown businesses. Yeah. A lot, of, most of these kids are from different parts of the world, different parts of the country yeah. who are, you know, if they're coming from New York or Philly or whatever, they're used to like the big stuff. They're not yeah. used to like hitting up Syracuse.com or right, right, right. buying them, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. You have to do stuff like that to be attractive to them. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like uh, downtown, I think is really evolving. I like how I, cause in Philly, I, I didn't, well, I left my car like somewhere out in the suburbs yeah and would just walk everywhere mm-hmm. and uh, downtown starting to get that feel with more restaurants cropping up outside yeah. of armory square mm-hmm. um because i mean you're starting to get guys you got Defi out there yeah. and then you got um eden over there mm-hmm. and then, so it's starting to make its own little box i think yeah and i think that's it's good to be inside that box yeah um but we're we're trying to get people to come you know one more block up yeah from salina street right cool. but yeah if you if, if limited or unlimited resources and all that kind of stuff, would you have chosen to be in this, maybe not necessarily specifically in the space, but in downtown or would you have chosen like a suburb? Um, probably downtown. I think downtown um, gives the idea of cutting it more cutting edge. Okay. Um, I do like what's happening in, uh, in Westcott a lot too. Yeah. Westcott's a really cool, like walkable area. Yeah. Um, so probably there, there, it, it kind of gives the idea of cutting edge. I'd probably like if I had my, you know, druthers about it, I would be in a slightly smaller space and mm-hmm. I'd, I'd run that. Um, but the only problem that we see with downtown is, uh, it's a driving community around here Yeah, and people don't like, aren't accustomed yeah. to paying for parking right. and don't want to pay for parking. Yeah. Um, especially when it just doubled. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So people will be like. There's no place to park. You can cancel our reservation. We're going to go somewhere else. Really? Yeah. We've had a couple of people call in and be like, we drove around and I don't know what it is. And in Philly, we like, you know, I'll park on 20th street and walk to 13th street, yeah. you know, and that's, I got a, I got an awesome parking spot. I only have to walk <laughs> 10 minutes, you know, <laughs> and then, but here it's like, oh, I can't pull up right yeah. in front of the restaurant. Sorry. Yeah. There's a place I can park. Have you thought about doing valet? We have. Um, it's just tough. There's even, even on valet, um, then you trying to find, space. you got to find, yeah, you yeah. got to find a space. You got to find a parking lot to park the cars. Yeah. Um, so we just kind of, yeah, we, we, we thought about like doing a, like a comp valet. We've mm-hmm. thought about, um, validating parking and stuff like that, but it's, it, it can be really a hit or miss. There's mm-hmm. not to like call anybody or anything, yeah. but the parking garage across the street closes down at nine o'clock mm-hmm. so like if there's people in our restaurant at nine o'clock they come over and they're like there's people and there's people you gotta oh, come really? you gotta go so we get like my little brother works pizza so i'm like all right okay. go take their people's keys and pull the cars out because they're eating <laughs> like so it's just like oh. that's awesome so yeah kind of 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely frustrating. I, you know, I was talking, if you're not used to it, I mean, I'm 33, so I'm <laughs> not, you know, that young or that old. But, right. what you know, I when I four years ago when I didn't live in, I live on the north side, so four years <laughs> ago when I didn't live near downtown and didn't work downtown, right. coming downtown was like, eh. Yeah, it was kind of a hassle, right? Right. Friends yeah. were like, oh, let's go here. I don't, you know, if there's no yeah. parking, like, listen. Exactly, yeah. Uh now it's still don't get me wrong if i have I'm going to a if i'm going to like kubal on salina right. and there's no parking right mm-hmm. there i'm gonna go to a different kubal right. where yeah, I know yeah. There is right, right yeah yeah um but you just kind of get used to it you do yeah, yeah i think it's a i mean and it's not generally a bad thing to be like a a driving society i mean like sustainability yeah. questions aside right but um it is what it is here at this yeah. point. Like we've established ourselves as a driving city. Right. Uh, a lot of people walk. They do have the bike share program, which I love. Yeah. Um, I, I used I used it a lot in Philly. We had one. Yeah. Um, I haven't tried it here yet. Um, I think it's just from that driving mentality. Yeah. I'm looking at where the stations are. And I'm like, well, that's nowhere near where I need, <laughs> need to go. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. There's um. Yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll. It'll evolve a little bit over time. The one in Philly definitely has. I mean, they started really low, and I mean, I I like riding riding mm-hmm. bikes. Yeah. Um, I would consider myself like a Cyclist. biker or yeah. anything like. But like, yeah. <laughs> I like to like hop on a. I bought like a vintage bike and painted it and like tore it down and. Nice. I had a bunch of fun with it, so I ride it around and. Um, yeah. I like I like to do that, but it's it's definitely a driving community and. Yeah. You're you're constantly fighting that, but. Eventually, yeah. I think you'll. And there's more people moving downtown. And, yeah, there are. Know, as long as they don't stop somewhere on their way home from work or they work downtown, they should walk. Yeah. You know? uh-huh. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, it's amazing to see even this building. I forget the corner. I think it's State Street and something, but this apartment building that they're putting up, it's, it's just gorgeous oh, right now. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's really amazing to see all that expansion in mm-hmm. the area just in the past couple of years. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. They, um, so we're, well, I live in the Icon Tower above the restaurant. Okay. Um, so. That's pretty convenient. Yeah, it's extremely convenient. It's also horrifying sometimes, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you're always home. Yeah, the uh, the the seven o'clock phone calls from delivery drivers aren't my favorite thing in the world, but um, they are. It is what it is. Um, but so yeah, we we try to you know walk around, go to places downtown as much as we can. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're probably part of the problem as well. The other thing that's ha- that is different from like a bigger city is mm-hmm. most people are on a five day schedule. I mean, mm-hmm. we're open I, and we're, I fully admit we're part of the problem right now is uh, Tuesday to Saturday. That's our, our schedule. Yeah. And I mean, we could open seven days a week. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it worth to staff a restaurant on a Monday? Yeah probably not right um it might be worth the staff it might be you know we're talking about doing a sunday thing maybe a brunch or something along those lines um but Mm. it's all it all just kind of it depends if if it's i mean it's good and bad yeah it's nice that we're closed two days Mm -hmm. and like you can chill for a little while but in the back of your mind you're like oh i could probably (laughs) you know do a little bit better if I open yeah. this day, but just is, it, is it worth it? Yeah, <laughs> just downstairs. So it, it's really a it's really a checks and balances thing. I mean, a lot of 
I mean, at restaurants in big cities, seven days a week is yeah. the, is the standard right. and is the expected thing. Like if you go to a place on Monday and they're closed, you're like, right. The hell. I know. It's like, you know, you think of the gym diner, mm-hmm. you know, they're closed on Mondays and I love the fact I still, I I've said this a few times and I still haven't done it, but I love the fact that Kasai is open until like two or three yeah. in the morning. Yep. And I just have this image of me going in there at like 1 a.m. and getting ramen <laughs> yeah. and really enjoying it i've done it <laughs> i haven't yet it's I, perfect i keep talking about how much i love it and i haven't done it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's i mean it's it's awesome there's it's just a, i mean like and i think he's in the perfect location to be able to do that yeah i think us on warren street right very now different. yeah very we're, different. Not, we're not we're not nobody's coming through that door at, yeah. at midnight you know right. um which is fine i I'm not going to complain about not being open till no, 2 a.m. Sure. I'll yeah. lose my mind. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I think I think the the broader hours it can it can help, and you yeah. just have to be able to staff it correctly. It's I like the thing. I like the fact that the Brian Well, you know, tried <laughs> stuff out and then put all right. It's not working. We're not right. going to do it anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and I think that's kind of what we want to do. My dad's a little hesitant because he's kind of like, you open on Sundays, you're open on Sundays from yeah. now on, no matter what. Like you're right. not like so it's kind of it's kind of tough and you know i gotta watch the eagles on sundays too so right. it's kind of like a <laughs> <laughs> there is i will say uh carmelita's mexican now granted she's in, up in cicero i've i've heard about it and okay. i want to go out there i saw your post on it yeah i have to try it because yeah. i need some good mexican food so i'm gonna just warn you mm-hmm. because i'm sure that you know what good mexican food <laughs> absolutely is, and it doesn't exist in syracuse um, mm-hmm. okay so i love carmelitas yeah and i do a lot of you know work for her for mm-hmm. free and that kind of but whatever so um she does great food i mean she makes her own tortillas to make her own chips oh awesome and she makes like 50 corn tortillas a day mm-hmm. and when those 50 are gone you get the one she buys from the supplier oh really <laughs> yeah she's not gonna go make yeah, more yeah. so it's like you if you want her stuff you have to kind of get there go earlier. there in the morning are they are they closed sunday monday is that she so she's so this is kind of what i was getting mm-hmm. to she did she was like asking me do you think i should do brunch because she's been closed sundays and mondays mm-hmm. she's like do you think i should do sunday brunch mm-hmm. um i've had people ask me for it i'm thinking about just opening up every sunday for a brunch and right I was like, do it once a month, mm-hmm. see what your response is. If it's a good response consistently, then do it. Yeah, yeah. And once a month she did brunch and was like slammed. I mean, I mean, she's, and it's a tiny restaurant. I mean, there's maybe 12 tables in there. Right. Um, sp- uh, kind of spread out, but mm-hmm. 12 tables. Right. And she was slammed. So now starting in October, she's going to do Sunday brunch every Sunday. That's the best news I've heard all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But she does, I mean, it was just the only taco I had around here Mm -hmm. that I kind of wrote them off if they weren't making their own tortillas. Right. Um, I was, I'm a white guy born in Kentucky and Syracuse Mm -hmm. and raised in Syracuse. I can make freaking good tortillas, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like it's not hard. Right. I get labor and that kind of stuff, but still, if you're buying tortillas yeah and you're a mexican place right i think there's something wrong it's with it. i think it's i think it's similar i mean extruded things aside to to buying pasta like we buy in a couple mm. of um extruded pastas because we don't have an ext- extruder is ten thousand dollars yeah right not happen um <laughs> so but all of our uh i think right now there's one pasta that's bought in and that's um, our chicken riggies because okay. we can't extrude yeah we, may, uh, we use cresto de gallo which is 
uh, a coxcomb basically it's got a little hat on yeah um but that's the only thing we buy in but like it's just better quality to make it and i think the other the thing that I know my girlfriend misses about Philly and I definitely miss about Philly. The most that we can't find in Syracuse for certain things is like generally authentic ethnic food in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, Mexican food. <clears throat> yeah. Indian food. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think where else we would, we're dying for. There's one other food and I can't even think of it. Yeah. But if you were doing Mexican, like I recommend Carmelitas. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> mainly because it was the only one that had this crazy flavor that didn't have mm-hmm. like a chipotle mayo or yeah. sour cream right. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mi Casita is really oh, freaking okay. good. Where is that? I feel like I, uh, I want to say it's Lodi. Is it Lodi? Okay. Um, you know where uh, Dolores Bakery is? Yeah. It's across the street. Okay. That. All right, I know exactly what you're talking about. Which is pretty awesome because you have like Doloros right there and then Mikasita. And I think there's some other like little bodega type. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, and that little like corner. Yeah. like with, That's right next to the park right in the yeah. middle there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my uh, my dad grew up around there, so I'm, I'm okay. familiar with it for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the <laughs> we, um, my, my girlfriend, uh, when she was working on the farm, you work with a lot of Mexican immigrants. Mm. Um, so they would bring in lunch every day and she mm. would like learn how to make salsa verde she would learn how to make like all these things from from these guys who are just making every day they would like Mm. when like a chicken got too old on the farm like we have the chicken and they would take it and they would go (laughs) slaughter it and they would eat the chicken and it was she was like it's the best chicken i've ever had it's just like boiled chicken and they put it on tortillas with salsa verde and like and i for some reason I, i don't i don't know why um around here especially from what i've seen is that um like mexican food and uh like latin american food is Mm. over commercialized i think it's yeah a misunderstanding almost it is i would love i would love to have a little taco stand yeah and just make like three tacos and have three toppings i mean like the best tacos have meat diced onion and cilantro Mm -hmm. and then like they serve it with some lime those are the best tacos hands down as long as you can get like i have no idea where they source it from some crazy like delicious even out of season oranges that you can juice and they're yeah. like the most amazing orange juice you've ever had right. to serve it with but yeah we would we had our we had our places in philly there's this place it was called primo pizza okay it didn't have uh they couldn't afford to change the sign and they bought a pizza shop in the italian market and so you walk in and you're like oh i'm gonna go get a slice of pizza and it, it's just uh <laughs> It's just this little like line and they have like four different kinds of tacos and you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm getting tacos. And they have like chicken, uh, beef tongue and like El Pastor. And you're like, all right, I'm good. That's fine. So I have a good friend here. His name's Alan Mm -hmm. and he's a stay at home dad. His kids are homeschooled, you know, but Mm -hmm. he makes some of the best everything. Um, I mean, he will find a recipe and he'll just go on a kick. So it may be like Szechuan uh, for two weeks, then it could be Indian, then it could be Mexican, whatever. <laughs> but he just makes the best everything. I mean, <laughs> his fried chicken, he has, he f- like found some weird article about how Colonel Sanders, when he opened up and then like sold it. Mm-hmm. He went into one of the stores and found out that they weren't using his original recipe. Mm -hmm. And so he went to some spice company and said, 
this is my original recipe. Right. Will you just con- always have this for sale? Like some contract. As right. long as they're open, they have to have it. And it's called Spice X. Huh. And I forget the company that makes it, but he found out where it is oh and buys it and makes his fried chicken. And it's amazing. Like if he has leftover fried chicken, he wraps it in newspaper oh my because God. it like stays better, I guess. That's crazy. Oh, that's and, so cool. Uh, we, I had him doing like a one iteration of Eat Local as we did like a bi-weekly blog and I had mm. like five writers <laughs> and he did the recipe and he did like Haas and Pfeffer. We got rabbits. He did like legit oh, nice. Haas and Pfeffer yeah. and you know, made the Spetzel and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And, uh, but one of them was, uh, for, um, Cinco de Mayo, he did Pollo Asado El Carbon and oh. it was freaking amazing. It's oh, awesome. I love it. I have this, uh, story of way back. I had an, a uh, assistant working for me like one, one day a week. We were out at Hillside Farms working <laughs> in their little cafe. And, uh, I, we were getting ready to leave. I went to go to the bathroom and I gave her my credit card and I said, Hey, will you go up to the counter and just get three steaks? I'm going over to Allen's tonight for Mm -hmm. dinner. And she was like, yeah, what do you want? I said, I don't know. Just tell the butcher you want something good, but nothing crazy. Right. And so I come out of the bathroom and she had these (laughs) steaks. The package was like that high for people who can't see. It's like, you know, 18 inches, whatever. (laughs) And the price tag was like $198. And I was like, what did you buy? She said, I told him what you said, and this is what he gave me. And they were some ridiculous, ridiculous. I forget what the cut was, but it was like dry aged bone. You know, it was like everything. Yeah, you got like a dry aged bone and porterhouse (laughs) for for two. (laughs) And so I called Alan up and I was like, hey, man. so about dinner tonight, he goes, yeah, I actually can't do it. I go, well, you're doing it because I have $200 worth of raw meat. And so I told him, he was like, oh, my God. He's like, go to Wegmans, get these ingredients, come over. <laughs> so I go to like the big Wegmans out there, yeah. and I got this, um, what the hell, smoked blue cheese. Mm-hmm. I still to this day have never been able to find it All right. uh, from this farm. Smoked blue cheese. I got like shrimp. And I forget what else I picked up, but basically he made this steak with this, the smoked blue cheese on top Mm -hmm. of it and, uh, like just covered in butter. And then he did this Cajun shrimp that's basically has two sticks of butter and like (laughs) a cast iron skillet with a dozen shrimp and all this Cajun seasoning. That's perfect. And to this day, it was just like the best meal and we've tried to recreate it before and we can't Uh, yeah there was the 200 dollars random piece of meat that you're never gonna be able to find again exactly oh it's i I love it i mean and the secret to all that is that butter is the best ingredient yeah right (laughs) it is my fiance is a dietitian so i have to be careful a lot of times or she can't be in the kitchen when i'm cooking certain things (laughs) that's fair so well i get you know one last question i have for you is Mm -hmm if you could change anything about the scene in Syracuse, the food scene in Syracuse, what would it be? Um, for me, I would probably, and I think it's headed in that way, but just a little bit more open-mindedness in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might just be because of the Italian thing. That, yeah. Know, um, but yeah, I think just a little bit of general, more willing to try something new. I mean, I get a lot of people coming in. Nothing's wrong with it, but yeah, they come in, they order chicken riggies, or they come in, they order right. know, chicken parm, and I have those two two things on my menu to you know maintain a general level of not yeah. riot. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, besides 
uh, I think I think one pasta outsold chicken riggies last month. Hmm. But you know we're selling two hundred bowls of chicken riggies compared to you know wow a hundred bowls of you know yeah pasta rolled by hand yeah. filled with local ingredients. So it's all it's all just general. And there's certain things that I like purposefully like words that I keep off of the menu because I'm like I know people won't buy this right because it says this. Hmm. So it, it's all just kind of like it's it's playing a game. And it can be kind of fun, but it can be like extremely frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm and I, I think the, I think the scene's definitely on its way up, Yeah. but there's definitely, I think a little, uh, reluctance from primarily an older crowd, but, um, yeah, you're just kind of trying to, you know, please everybody, but it's impossible. Yeah. But it could be a little bit more. Yeah. Open. The last thing yeah. I'll say is I had this idea the other night to get, four of the best chefs which mm-hmm. by the way you won the instagram oh did i off the other day oh awesome yeah. thank you there was like 12 people that kept saying Alex. oh really yeah. <laughs> um, I- <laughs> but i did it because i had this idea to get like the four best chefs in syracuse mm-hmm. in the city and either a have all of them come to one restaurant mm-hmm. and work together to put out a dinner mm-hmm. um which is kind of i guess similar to what mark is doing you right know? Mm-hmm. um either that or Set it up at four different restaurants and do like a mystery dinner. Do them, yeah. You don't I mean, know what chef is going to be at which restaurant until you show up. Oh, so that's cool. I like you could that. be at D Feed. Right. Nick and Cody could be at your spot. You know. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that would be a that'd be a lot of fun. I would love to to do something like that. I like I like doing um, like collabs and things yeah. like that. I mean, they're they're tough in general. Like right. to put them together yourself. Yeah. Especially like with the timing, but when other people do count me in because it's just fun yeah it's just a lot of fun to I'm like gonna, i'm gonna try and get that one set up all right you let me know i'm in yeah that'll be fun <laughs> cool well, thanks so much for taking the time thank you very much well there it is folks thanks so much for checking out the podcast don't forget to subscribe and leave that review about the eat local cmy podcast it means so much in the podcasting world Follow us over on social media and you can head to eatlocalcmy.com to pick up your Eat Local CMY card and find the list of all the participating restaurants. Well, we will catch you at the next episode of the Eat Local CMY podcast.